You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. are keeping it local this episode welcome back to the native plants healthy planet podcast presented by pinelands nursery i'm fran chismar and i'm tom knezic uh we've explored preserving nature on large scales even even super large scales um and some smaller scales but uh we've talked about some organizations that really started out at a kitchen table Xerxes society comes to mind that literally started out a kitchen table yeah. and uh we're gonna bring bring everyone back to that kitchen table today yeah we we've really looked at at trying to get everyone involved on a large scale but let's not forget you can make a huge difference locally and it's to me with what's going on and we we kind of mentioned this in the last podcast podcast um i feel that it's very ironic that pinelands nursery who we work for uh is one of the largest environmental nurseries in the country and the town that we are located in is trying to abolish its environmental committee yeah (laughs) so it's just you know and and to our, our guest today is going to elaborate on that. But first, we want to go back to thinking globally. Uh, we still only have one listener in Croatia. Yeah, Tom. that was me. That was you. That From was home, but. <laughs> you didn't go to <laughs> yeah, Croatia I didn't to actually... do it? No. So we're, uh, we're not really taking over Croatia anytime soon yeah. as far as <laughs> top podcasts. But, however, we did pick up a few more countries and two more states. So we're up to 33 countries. That we've been listening to, which really blows my mind because yeah. it's not very. I keep thinking it has to be Americans displaced in other countries. Yeah, that's kind of my. That's that's my thought, or it's or it's VPN. Yeah, it's yep. it's one of the two. Um, but we're up to forty nine states. So a big uh, shout out to Hawaii and Wyoming for jumping on board with the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast. But. You really need to get with the program, Utah. You're yeah, the, and we got a, we have a 51st state now in in the District of Columbia. So yeah. does that count that, in this or that counts? And actually, we have listens in that. So okay, so we're 50 out of 51. Yes, we're 50 out of 51. So Utah is the only state that is preventing our national domination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but regardless where you're listening from, we appreciate you listening. Um, this has been the the biggest month so far in our, our podcast experience and um i was going to mention that actually yeah. thank you for bringing that up it, it is our best month and we're only five months in mm-hmm. it's not six months five months i think we're I close remember. to it was march i, I think February, we're, we're close <laughs> to to it's either five or six months but it's it's by far our best month and it, it's it's still going so. yeah and so thank you guys for all the reviews comments likes follows when you share it with other people we always appreciate that as well um, it's all really important to us. We've mentioned a, a bunch of times how we didn't expect this to take off. I think it was like 20 or 30 people is what we expect to listen to, and we've surpassed that by a lot. It, it <laughs> so. still blows my mind. It, it, yeah. Like when we publish an, an episode and I see the listens like right out of the gate, it still like really blows my mind. I was like, wow, people actually are listening to us. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and, and they want it. They want to hear us be serious because typically we're joking around mm-hmm. all the time. And it's like, wow, people actually want to hear us be serious. Yeah. I've never yeah. tried that. Be- this may be the first time <laughs> I've ever tried that. And I can, yeah, I can guarantee that this is the first time he's ever tried it. 
it's, it's not often serious. No. But uh, and we also appreciate all the con- comments that are happening in our uh, Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. The interaction has skyrocketed over the last two three weeks. I think as people are their gardens are really starting to to blossom now. They're anxious to share the successes they're seeing and and relate it to some of the guests we've had. And I think people are starting to become friendly with each other too. Mm-hmm. They're they're starting to get to know each other. So it's you know because it's it's not a huge group. It's mm-hmm. but everyone's starting to kind of like there's there's like friendships starting to happen, yeah. which is kind of yeah. nice to see. So and that really what we were hoping to do is make a difference, and that's some place where making a difference can start. And uh, as we mentioned, making a difference can really just start over uh, a cup of coffee or or a beer or a glass of wine, sitting at someone's kitchen table, having a discussion about the things you like seeing in the world and some of the things you might not like to see in the world, and ways that you can make a change. And um, that's how this group here started on a really local scale for for our town of Columbus, New Jersey. And uh, Kate, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell the, the the crowd what you guys are up to? Sure. Um, my name is uh, Kate Tallon O'Callaghan, and um, I'm the director of the Crafts Creek Spring Hill Brook Watershed Association. We are a grassroots organization that started back in uh, was it 2005? I want to say. Oh, um, so we've been around. For it, yeah, that's still in its infancy. That's still pretty mm-hmm. pretty young. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we, um, you know, we started uh, out of my my dad started the group. He started it from his you know his kitchen table, um, and we have had quite a local impact. Um, at the the given point, I think we've got anywhere between 50 and 200 members, depending on the year and, and how many people are excited about the environment and what's going on politically. So, I mean, you know, we've been around for enough time to, to have a following, um, but not really long enough to, you know take the world on by storm so no but for for how young the organization is to have at any given point up to 200 members uh that's pretty significant that that that's to me screaming that the local community wants to be involved and they care about what's what's happening Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so let's go back to the beginning let's go back even before 2005 and the start of the the organization so we love knowing the background on our our guests and how they developed their love for for nature so how where did your love for nature begin how did this start for you oh definitely in childhood um you know i grew up in columbus and everyone was a hunter and a fisher and my father um you know he was the same he went fishing and he did trapping trapped um, muskrats and things for furs back in the 70s and so we grew up hunting and fishing with him and i think what a lot of people tend to forget is that the first conservationists were the hunters and the fishers in America. They were the ones who wanted to preserve open land and preserve open space and keep, keep that open space as healthy as possible so that they, you know, all hunting the, the, the healthiest meat and fishing the healthiest streams. Um, you know, and, and through the years, our love of nature has sort of, changed from hunting and fishing um, to more sustainable practices where we don't really hunt and fish anymore, but we want to keep the environment clean and make sure all those animals are protected for the people that do. So one of the things that I loved when when I looked at the website uh, 
for your association was this statement as part of your or this phrase as part of your uh, part of your mission statement was our mission is restoring protecting and enhancing the health of streams wildlife and humans i thought it was very interesting that humans were last on that list and was <laughs> but, you know because it's i think so many people put put humans first as mm-hmm. if there are are on top of this hierarchy, which I, uh, I really don't think that's what the balance is about. We're we're part no. of it. So I, I'm that's, curious if that wording was intentional. Um, no, it really wasn't intentional. But um, now that you mention it, I, maybe it was subconsciously intentional. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. It should definitely stay that way. That's yeah. Um, you know, humans can't be healthy unless our environment is healthy. Mm-hmm. So we really are the last part of this to to look at. You know, so yeah, that is a really good point, and I, I never thought of it. <laughs> well, keep it. I, I love yeah. it. So um, Tom thought it would be a really good idea to for our listeners that don't know what a, a, a watershed, uh, a, or not even just a watershed association, but a watershed. If they're if mm-hmm. they're unfamiliar, if you could explain to us what a watershed is and why they're important and and it's really it's important because no matter where you live in the entire world i guess you live in a watershed yes there's there's no exemption i guess if you lived on a boat in the middle of the ocean i guess technically you probably still live in a watershed then but everyone (laughs) is a part of a watershed in some way and they might not know or they might know the grander one and some watersheds are are bigger yeah yeah, like chesapeake bay watershed Mm -hmm. you can be in Upstate New York. Upstate New York or uh, central Pennsylvania, and you're in the Chesapeake Bay watershed. So that's a a big example of a watershed. But we're we're looking at a much smaller example of Mm -hmm. a watershed. So if you could at least shed some light for our listeners that don't know what a watershed is. Basically, a watershed is is just an area of land that all drains to a common source. Um, Our watershed, we have Crafts Creek and Spring Hill Brook in our watershed management area. And um, technically, there's two sub-watersheds of Crafts Creek and Spring Hill Brook, which both drain into the Delaware River. Um, but our management area is both of those drain to a, a very a, a common region of the Delaware. Um, there's actually, I think there's 20 watershed management areas in New Jersey. Um, and it's all based on the topogra- topography and the drainage divides and the huck lines, the water divides, the ridge lines, any mountains. Um, that all splits up these these areas, these topographical watershed management areas. And then within your small watershed management area, you have these you know these sub watersheds. Um, so I, I honestly couldn't even tell you how many sub watersheds there are in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, it, it, probably it, hundreds. It, it's it's pretty funny, just not to sidetrack, but I just saw an article this past week on LinkedIn that was saying that only five percent of America's water waterways are named. Like they may be named, but not officially. So yeah. I looked locally in New Jersey just to see if there were any ones that just have. You know they have names, but it's not really. Fran was name. looking to try and find naming rights. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really was. <laughs> I really was. You know, but then it was. I think for naming right, if you're naming it after an individual, they had to have been deceased for at least five years before you could you could name it after them. But I, I thought it was interesting. They list as the source on the the naming site uh, for Crafts Creek and Spring Hill Brook. I think they're both listed as Bristol. 
mm-hmm. uh, Pennsylvania, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't even know that. Yeah, the things you find out when you're just trying to name a, a water waterway after yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So you mentioned uh, other associations or other watersheds in New Jersey. Um, yeah. And I think you said there's 20. Am, am I correct? Around 20? There's 20 uh, watershed management regions. regions. Okay. All right. So those are, some of them are very large. Some of them are smaller. Um, but those are um, – they're not all managed by by bodies like us, by associations like us. Okay. Um, actually, only twenty one uh, watershed associations in the state of New Jersey right now. Okay. So, are are there any watersheds that that technically aren't managed or don't have groups that that oh, look after? Plenty. Them? There are. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, I would imagine yeah. probably most of them aren't don't have yeah, local activist groups that are that are looking after them. Which kind exactly. of surprises me a little bit. It really does. I would think, you know, you, you think of the bigger watersheds and, and their organizations that look after them. Um, I, I, I'm i just a little surprised that mm-hmm. there aren't more. Are, are there are are there collaborations between the, the, the organizations? Is there um, joint meetings or anything like that that, that occur? There, actually, um, there is a New Jersey Council of Watershed Associations. We actually had a meeting last night. Oh. Um, and there, I don't think all 21 are represented within that organization, um, but I, may, I think it may be like closer to 18, mm-hmm. 17, 18 are in it. Um, okay. we, do, we do a lot of work legislatively um, together. So Okay. So what, as an organization, what are some of the things that you do uh, locally? Um, or, or is it things like education and monitoring and and water testing is there more to that can you elaborate on some of those if they are correct yeah sure um we our main mission statement is monitoring and education um so we do quarterly monitoring uh with a meter a handheld meter we go out we check conductivity and dissolved oxygen levels and things like that um and then we uh we do a lot of education for children um we do a lot. Of, sorry, my kids are trying to get into that. The macro invertebrate scans are real big with the kids, mm. and um, so you know we we go out. We take we we, sh- we teach kids how to how to scoop up the bugs on the bottom of the the freshwater bodies. And, um, let me think. What else do we do? Oh, you know what? One of our most important jobs is is to reach out to environmental commissions and and just town committees and mm-hmm. try to you know give them a little education and 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 before i forget this is all volunteer based right no one on this at this organization is getting paid you're all volunteering your time yeah every every single one of us is a volunteer mm-hmm. and how how big of a job has it become for you real talk is it is it a full-time job at this point for you um or close right to now, it. with the things that are going on, it's a full-time job. But um, normally, on, under normal circumstances, when there aren't a whole bunch of political things happening, it's not. It's not that bad. Not it, it's taxing. maybe. Yeah, um, we we meet every other month, and um, <laughs> yeah, we meet every other month, uh, and we do a couple of events, a fundraiser. We do our quarterly. 
uh, monitoring, and I'd say maybe in a given month I put in 30 hours. But that's pretty significant. Yeah. Oh, 30, yeah. Like, like I, I'm enjoying your kids, uh, like, not interrupting, <laughs> but, like, but, you know, but that just shows you're a mother, you have people that, that want your attention, but you're still yeah. committing it's thirty an hour hours a, a month. Yeah, an hour yeah. a day to to doing this, which is pretty significant. Yeah. And 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 you're I'm not really the only one. For them, you know, this is mm-hmm. the job that this volunteer work that I do. I do for them. I, I I do for all the kids in our community. You know, this is important work, and and someone has to do it. And I may not get paid uh, financially, but I'm going to get paid with our future generation. And to me, that is that is critical and that's that's how i was raised in this small community um it's just it's important work to do and i I know a lot of people don't understand that and that's um this opportunity to come on here and talk to you guys about that was just wonderful because i know you know how popular you guys are getting and and, uh wanted to get this message out here you're 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 getting heard in 33 countries right now 49 (laughs) 50 out of 51 states (laughs) so for you know a lot of this is preaching to the choir but for for those that that don't think of it this way, why is it important to keep tabs on on the local water sources in our town? Well, each town presents you know unique variables with their watershed. With Columbus specifically and the Mansfield Township area, we sit on top of wells and aquifers that supply water to thousands of people in Burlington County. And we also, our, our water flows into the Delaware River. Mm-hmm. That is a major water source for New York City, for Philadelphia. We, what we do in our watershed is going to impact the lives of communities all around us. Not only that, but we also have really unique biodiversity in Mansfield Township. Because Florence and Bordentown, our neighboring cities and townships, mm-hmm have built out so much of themselves, we have not built ourselves out up to this point. We have retained so much biodiversity. We have young forests, we have middle-aged forests, and we have old-growth forests, which not all communities have. We we sit along the river, and we have hunting grounds for bald eagles. We also have two recreational lakes, one which is 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 privately owned and hosts um, hundreds of kids swimming in it each each summer, and then we have Crystal Lake Park, which is the the county purchase because of its amazing biodiversity, because of all of it, the threatened and endangered species in it. Crystal so, Lake, Crystal Lake Park really is like the 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 land that time forgot. It's mm-hmm. it's like you're every oh, yeah. time I step in it, it you forget where you're at. Yeah, and we <laughs> one of the reasons we've talked about it so many times before is because it's so different Diverse, than. Yeah. Than what you not just find yeah. in our town in our, our direct area, but in a lot of places in New Jersey. And and what's yeah. and, and in this area too, for those that don't know, the Burlington County Fairgrounds is right down the road from us. Mm-hmm. So the the farm mm-hmm. fair is hosted uh, in our local yeah. community. Um, I live in the neighboring Springfield Township. I, you know, the Springfield Township is completely all well water. Um, mm-hmm. No one no yeah. one has city. There's no city water, so we're all pulling. Right pulling uh, mm-hmm. out of the aquifer. So it's important to us because that's our water source. That's yeah. so, so I guess my big question is what are when you do this monitoring and you're doing the water testing, what are some of the things that you're finding? Um, I guess and that's maybe pollutants and 
uh, and life that could be an indicator of of pollutants or lack of pollutants, and I guess. So we do test quarterly, and the reason we test quarterly is because you're going to see different results seasonally. After you get a lot of heavy snow, you're going to see the salt levels in the water go up because of the road salts. Um, you're going to see water bodies that are close to a parking lot and things like that in the spring. They're not going to have a lot of life. It's going to take them weeks to generate life because of all those road salts that are pushed in there. And then when you see freshwater bodies that are anywhere near, like places with HOAs or golf courses, we and we, we see a lot of um, like low oxygen levels and not supporting life because they're using pesticides to treat their grasses. And um, or one of the biggest things that we end up seeing is people don't understand that you can't just throw grass clippings and leaves into the tree. <laughs> I know it's, it's natural and it's organic material, but you shock the stream and you pull all of the oxygen out of the water, which supports the life. And it can actually take years sometimes to recover from that if it goes on for too long. Um, so that's one of the biggest things we see is that people just don't know. They don't know the damages that they're doing. They don't understand. And that's why education is one of our main, our main missions. Um, we have come across several incidences where we're out testing. All of a sudden, we're like, whoa, what's going on here? There's like no oxygen in this stream. Um, and you just take a walk up the stream and take a look, and you realize, oh, this guy just mowed his lawn and just dumped everything in there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we don't want to get people in trouble. We don't want to just call the DEP and say, hey, they're dumping. So our, our main, one of our goals is to educate people. We're going to reach out to them first because the DEP is just going to find them and make them clean it up. And we don't, we don't want to see our neighbors and our community get fined. We want to see them get educated and understand, you know, that this, this isn't just a ditch on the side of the road. This is a, a main tributary to that eventually dumped out to the, to the Delaware River. And, and that's important because if, if you just reported them instead of understanding why – what they're doing is wrong. They may just get better at hiding mm -hmm. at doing the wrong thing. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to, to show people that you care, that you care about not, not only the wildlife and the fish, but that you care about them. You don't want them to get in trouble because that's going to make them your ally. That's yeah. not going to make them enemy. And so, really, I think it boils down to a lot of people just don't even know. They're, um, right. To, my dad used to have a lot of great posters in his office. I remember the one, was a was a picture of a guy washing his car, but then underneath it didn't have the the uh, pavement or of his driveway. It actually just showed what was going into the aquifer below, and you see all of the grease yeah. and the oil and the soap that was going into the aquifer, and saying like, mm -hmm. "This is the impact." Even though it may seem simple, and the consequences kind of disappear physically they don't actually disappear they're going someplace where you can't see them but they might be causing a bigger impact than you you're thinking and that, the same goes for uh fertilizers on lawns and you mentioned pesticides yep. and herbicides and those kind of things well just because you don't see it anymore it's no longer in your hands doesn't mean that it's gone a lot of times it's, right. it's getting hopefully getting filtered out through the soil before it gets in the aquifer but sometimes it's going into the aquifer that in a lot of places, becomes our drinking water. And, and I think a lot of people just don't think about it. We, we take for granted the amount of, of locals, the amount of people that live here that grew up here. And there's a lot of family names that have been here for a very long time. But there's also, you know, a lot of the 
the redevelopment that we've encountered are a lot of people coming from urban environments or city environments that never really lived in the country or had to take care of or understand what those those issues are or or some of the the the, the things that they they've never had to think that way it's not they're doing it maliciously they just don't know they need that education right. exactly so i guess you you kind of mentioned the education portion so you found a contamination you've went upstream and figured out where it was coming from you mentioned the education part if the education doesn't work, what's the step next step after that? After that, unfortunately, we have to report to the DEP. Um, they have the enforcement to to go out and get something cleaned up. So, you know, we don't like to do that, but sometimes it's necessary. What with with everything that you've encountered, what would you say the biggest threats are? What are the biggest threats or the biggest factors threatening our our watershed right now? Um. Honestly, I think adding impervious surface, our watershed is already built out um, and paved to around 15%. And when you start to go above that, you start to run into serious flooding issues. Um, And that's where you're going to, you're going to start damaging people's properties and homes. And um, it's kind of scary to think of that because of, you know, New Jersey is the only state that's actually a peninsula. You know, Mm -hmm. Florida has a peninsula, but New Jersey is a peninsula. Mm -hmm. We are completely surrounded by water. And being a river-facing community, flooding is a major issue, especially with all the highways we have running through here, the farmlands we have. Um, You know, we don't want to put people out of business. We don't want to put people out of their homes. We don't want to cause problems on commutes to work and, you know, back and forth. And this community has, I don't know how many major highways, 206, Route 130, 295, the Turnpike, um, you know, it, I know Route 130 in Bordentown, right by Crystal Lake, the, the northbound lane is, is closed on major rain events at, at least two or three times the past year and a half. So, you know, those are the things that we're going to start seeing more of if we continue to pave large portions of land, especially large portions of land close to tributaries and creeks. We, we were just having this conversation in the office where I live in Springfield Township today would never be built you know where i live was was a marsh um and 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 some of my coworkers grew up in springfield township before that area was developed and they're like man that that should never in today's standards that would never be developed <laughs> because there there's still roads that that get closed down when it when it gets heavy rainstorms um yeah jacksonville yeah. um so Jacksonville, Mount Holly Road mm-hmm. still floods yeah. every time it's a major rainstorm. They have to come out and block yeah. it off, and no one can go down that road. So it's you know yeah. we're we're dealing with a certain water table also. So it's there's yeah. a lot of factors yeah. that and, way. And you mentioned impervious surface. That's um really I I had a college professor really put it in a, a interesting way when talking about like the classification of streams, and you might even know the classification of uh, Crass Creek. But like a, a main or headwater would be like a class one stream, and then moving down, you get to like the Mississippi River, and that's a I don't even know what class it would be, something a lot bigger number. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. But he's talking about uh, with all the impervious surface, those class one headwaters all of a sudden don't necessarily become the headwater; it becomes your gutters <laughs> if you have a big enough if you yeah. have a big enough roof. 
Well, that gutter yeah. is capturing enough water to actually be like a class one stream. And now you're putting into a sewer and the sewer eventually yeah. is going to stream. And now you've compounded all this water that normally would have been captured by first the trees, then the shrubs and your herb layer, then the ground and really slowed down now is basically rocketed to the stream. And that's why we're seeing all these hundred year floods or, or 10 year floods or 20 year floods a lot sooner than exactly. 10, 20, 50, a hundred years because exactly. we've created all that impervious surface, your driveways, your roofs, your parking lots, those kind of things. Um, yep. And it's just, it doesn't soak into the ground. Yeah. It shoots to the river. Um, and while it's shooting to the river, it's, it's also bringing with it all of those toxic lawn chemicals mm-hmm. that, that these communities, these HOA communities force people to put on their lawns. And it's, it's, you know, the golf course and, and the, the exhaust from, from the Mannheim Corporation or that, that national mm-hmm. auto dealership we have, yeah. you know, all those exhaust fumes that, and, and oil and grease that lay on there, that's all floating downstream. Um, and that's another great yeah. point is the, the faster that water's moving, the less sediments and, and those kind of things can drop out. I mentioned, I forget yep. what episode it was, but my favorite job title, a fluvial geomorphologist, and it was all the Leopold son luna leopold says uh i'm gonna mess up the quote now but it was um rivers are the veins from which or the gutters from which continents drain meaning that all the yeah. sediments are coming down you're filling in the bays yeah. and for those that don't know so a, fl- a fluvial <laughs> geomorphologist is the person who studies the natural flow of water yeah um yeah. so uh, you know and and the faster that water moves the the more erosion occurs. Yeah. It, the, mm-hmm. So many things and how it degrades the land and, and what that does to the riparian yeah. buffers. And, and you even think about a lot of our streams. And this is, again, we mentioned people just don't know. You look back to farmers at the, oh, maybe probably a little bit after the turn of the century, well, they took the streams on their property and they straightened them all out. Yeah. They used to be meandering and going back and forth and the water kind of went really slow and now you made it straight. And while it might not be a problem on that property anymore, as soon as it hits that first turn, that, that turn's getting eroded and wiped out because it just can't take yep. all that energy. It's, yeah, I mean, because mm. dams have been built, things mm-hmm. like that, and, and the energy, it increases the overall energy. It, it completely changes everything. Yeah. But there's been some great studies. I know uh, there's work being done in, in New Jersey where dams are being removed. Pennsylvania, I saw a great presentation a few years back where they were uh, reconfiguring streams back to their, their normal mm-hmm. Uh, flow, and they were saying that the seed banks were st- all still in the ground, and mm-hmm. native plants came up that they hadn't seen there in years. It was just waiting for that to be moved back to its normal normal flow. So it's there's we're progressing in a lot of ways that way. Um, I know, and and this is this is we're gonna I guess take this in a direction where it's it gets touchy a little bit. Mm-hmm. One one of the biggest factors is development too, um, because mm-hmm. we can continue to to increase impervious service and other things like that. So, um, and you look at our town in particular. I brought it up at the end of the last podcast. I brought it up on our our Facebook group and, and some other places uh, in our community. My brother and has been one of one of the most. He's uh, been very vocal. I don't want to yeah. say outspoken is not a, a positive Vo- vocal. Very uh, vocal about it because he's seeing a community that. He's lived here for nearly 30 years since he was born, and it's changing 
very, very quickly, very drastically from how he saw it when he grew up. And, um, yeah. and there's, there's reasoning behind while, why our, our township officials are, want to do this. It's not like they're saying, oh, well, we're just going to do all this stuff because we want to. They, there's a lot of it is financially motivated um, because our town is in, uh, I think, pretty dire straits on a financial end. We, we don't, <laughs> we kind of ran out of money, I guess is the best way to say it. And Kate, I know you know a lot more about this than I do. And if you're bringing yeah, no. in some of these, these businesses, especially big warehouses and those kind of things, well, it's, that's a pretty big chunk of change as far as the money goes. But there's a lot of questions on whether that's the best way to go about it. So what is Crafts Creek's stance on the redevelopment going on in our town? So with Crafts Creek, I mean, we try not to get super political. Um, the problem is because we're, you know, education-based, there's so much documented evidence that chasing rateables and trying to build yourself out of tax burdens does not work. I mean, even the state of New Jersey in 2010 put out a report about these redevelopment programs and these pilot tax abatements um, that basically says there's huge issues here and the tax breaks that we give to these you know, developers um, actually isn't the best program. Um, it's a, let me see, I think it's like a 30-page report um, yeah, it was put out by the state of the comptroller, uh, programmatic, pro programmatic examination of municipal tax abatements in New Jersey. Um, and it, it just highlights all the problems with, with the redevelopments and the, the tax abatements that come with them because it actually ends up causing tax increases at the county and the state level. So... Mm -hmm. You know, the township, is, it's a quick fix for the township who is, right now, Mansfield is, is in debt because of uh, some bad business decisions in years past. It doesn't, need, they don't, it doesn't even have to do with the, the town council today. It's, it's a, you know, a, a debt from a long time ago. And they're looking for a quick fix. And that quick fix is going to end up costing everyone in the state and the county. It's, and it's going to end up hurting our wildlife and our residents. So um, Rutgers did another study um, about open space being a good investment and how the financial argument uh, for open space preservation is actually a, a better deal than chasing tax rateables through redevelopment of open space. So how does now I know that's the situation in Mansfield. There's there's four four townships that make up the local school district. How how does their stance differ from its surrounding uh, municipalities. Uh, I think it's because Mansfield holds all these um, highways and, and the proximity to the on ramps to the Turnpike and 295. Um, it makes it Luc a prime development zone. Yeah, it makes it lucrative. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mentioned I lived in or I live in Springfield Township, which is a neighbor one, and it's you know I saw it ten years ago from a complete opposite, where they were trying to hold on to their farm community, and they changed to ten acre building lots. Um, yeah, fi financially it was hard for them because to sustain that they weren't because there's there's very little rateables in in that township. Mm -hmm. um, so it was 
they were struggling trying to preserve it because it wasn't really a good month. They were at one point this the elementary school, which only has 35, yeah, 30, 35 kids per per grade. Um, they they were struggling to to see if it if they could even keep it open. Like um, I know when my kids were both in the elementary school, they were looking at having to almost change school districts. It came came really close because they yeah. were in financial trouble for different reasons, you know? So it's, I know it's a fine balance. Um, Definitely. But Definitely. between, between both. So, um, in, in, I'm sorry, good. From, from an organizational standpoint, Crafts Creek Watershed would like to see our township at least uphold its own environmental ordinances. Right now, when you zone something for redevelopment, it gives them the option to completely bypass all the environmental ordinances, meaning a 150-foot creek water buffer now turns into a 50-foot water buffer. And that's exactly what our township has done for all of the developers. And so from a Crafts Creek watershed standpoint, I'd really like to see them just uphold those ordinances, and and they're not doing that. And that's that's where we start to become politically active. From a personal standpoint, I just think they're going to destroy the biodiversity of of the entire township. They're going to potentially bring in harmful algal blooms uh, to the two fresh water bodies that we have that people are used for recreation, um, that we have bald eagles fishing out of. I mean, you can walk down to Crystal Lake and see the two juvenile bald eagles fishing in the lake. And, and you know, if, if something happens to that lake, if, if we have one of these, these algal blooms, that could kill those bald eagles that could kill all the wildlife and that, that drinks out of that, that water body. Um, and that would just be detrimental, completely detrimental to the whole landscape of the township. But you're right when financially it can become taxing on the people that live here to try to preserve all of that open space. But there are programs in place from the state, um, you just have to do the work. Redevelopment is the lazy way out. You have to do the work. You have to put in for grants. You have to put in for funding, and it is not easy. It is really not easy. Um, no, but there are ways, and it, it doesn't have to be easy uh, and that's, to do it. You know, because I've been working and doing some research on this myself, and we're lucky enough. We work with a lot of environmental commissions, really from all over the East Coast, but especially in New Jersey. And um, you have a lot of environmental commissions that are going, are enabled and empowered to go out and do a lot of good things for their town. And that kind of brought me down this whole rabbit hole. And I got into the Sustainable Jersey program. And you have, I don't even remember how many communities, <clears throat> excuse me, across the state of New Jersey that are part of this sustainability program where they're certified yeah. based on different things they're doing and it's you go to their why should you join page why should a municipality join it so there's a ton of grant money out here and all you have to do is actually do the legwork to apply for the grants and here's tens of thousands of dollars yeah. you can get for your community in addition to saving a lot of money in like garbage collection um you gain all those eco service or ecosystem services back um there's a lot of benefits to being in that and uh and it's in my mind it's the way of the future where you don't want to look at this from a a, uh, a past tense where things weren't developed oh we got tons of space to do 
a lot of this activity. And, and people look at it very differently. You know, we see land like we have these hidden gems that we'd like to keep that way. And you say, oh, right. I'm so happy this land hasn't been developed. And then there are people that say, mm-hmm. look at all this land that's never been mm-hmm. touched. It should be developed. It, it's it's definitely yeah. two different point of view, two like extremely opposing point of views. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's you know and it it really makes me wonder if the people that have that view didn't grow up here if they didn't grow up in that you know it's 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 I much different i grew up in a place where everything was developed there wasn't anything that was undeveloped mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so it, it it gives you a little bit of a different view now that i'm here and i've been here for over 20 years you, you appreciate that it hasn't changed uh when you see how rapidly everything else has changed and i know just since i've been here I mean, two developments in this in this town mm-hmm. doubled doubled the size of the town. The same thing happened to the neighboring Chesterfield. One development, there's more yep. people in that development than the rest of the town itself, and mm-hmm. they see the impacts already. They un- they yeah. already understand the impacts of what have happened, and they would like that to not get worse. And, and that's a town that is a part of that sustainable New Jersey program as of like a year or two ago, I think. And yeah. like Bo- you mentioned, yeah. Borden Town, which is. Uh, the closest city to us it's not like it's a big city at all but um, they're a part of it and we just posted something on yeah, our and- Pilots Nursery Facebook page that they're putting up these like pizza box recycling yeah. centers where you actually it, they shred up the pizza boxes and they go to farmers and they're doing a lot of really cool stuff and having green fairs and um, encouraging businesses to be more sustainable and kind of giving them credit when they are it's, uh, yeah. it's really neat to see right in I guess the town over, not in our backyard. It's it's easy to miss it when it's gone. It's mm-hmm. a lot harder to to bring it back, though. It's 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 easier to to restore. It's just you know, there's so many different point of views. I'm I'm really proud of the township I live in and what they've done. My taxes have tripled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's that's one of the, <laughs> the downfalls. You know, but yeah. it's 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 a you know, as I'm looking to to get ready to move within the next year. It's also become a, a very desirable place to live because of of how it is, and it kept the property values. Uh, they're starting to go back up. So there, there's pluses and minuses. There's a lot of different ways, but more than anything, with every episode, it never fails. It's loss of habitat, and and development yep. is is a prime factor for for loss of habitat and all the things. You know, we we talked on the last episode about missing quail. Like you remember hearing yeah. quail, oh, yeah. and they're no longer here. What else won't be mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. You know, it's will the fishing yep. change? You know, yeah, yeah, it's going to change. Will the the hunting change? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's gonna, it's gonna. Mm-hmm. We we see the effects just with deer on the nursery. We never had an issue. Now we didn't yeah. have an issue in thirty yeah. years, and now we mm-hmm. do. That's going to get worse the more they develop. And that's something else that they're not taking into consideration is that we have all these preserved farms in Mansfield Township and, and, and the surrounding areas in Springfield and Chesterfield and, and North Hanover. And by developing all this area, the farmers are going to have more problems with pests. It's going to reduce biodiversity, which is going to in- increase the pest problems for these farmers. Yeah. And the, the township keeps stating, you know, well, these people are retiring and want to sell their property, and who are we to tell them what to do with it? Well, you know, you're the ones who set the rules to protect the rest of the citizens. And no matter how many times we say that and try to drive that home, they they just keep saying, well, they're allowed to do whatever they want, and it's going to bring us money. You're going to be happy with it. Um, Crafts Creek Watershed did just recently reach out to the Environmental Commission on the 
trying to become sustainably green. Um, and we, we did actually, Tom, we reached out to Steve uh, to see if he wanted to, to maybe take on pizza boxes and, and, mm-hmm. and use for, you know, composting and, and farming. Um, and he was on board with it. So we, he was actually at the last Environmental Commission meeting talking to them about starting this project and taking mm-hmm. this on and moving towards maybe getting us, you know, green certified. And then we could a- a- apply for grants and hopefully, you know, do some tax relief that way. But uh, it was the next day that we found out they were going to vote out the Environmental Commission and just get rid of them altogether. So. Wow. That's, you, you know, and it's you mentioned farmers, too. Um and we're going to go back to what how you just ended that, but a lot of the farming mm-hmm. names in this community have been in this community for a very long time, um, and they work mm-hmm. very close with the NRCS with a lot of different programs and Xerces and things like that to do the right thing and maintain biodiversity and 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 develop good practices. Um, they're trying really hard to maintain that. More development yeah. is definitely going to make it harder for them. But yeah. um, you did mention. Uh, that the town uh once is is made a move to um abol- abolish what's the best to disassemble um, the environmental yeah. com- uh committee in, in in our town which really was just such a shocking mm. <laughs> move to me um that's cuz i mentioned on the last episode now is when you need it most uh um not less you know now with with the perspective of of all this new development is when you really need to try to protect and and understand the environmental impacts that it has um now you recently uh shared uh you were on the front page of the local paper um Mm -hmm. or the organization was can you talk a little bit about that what that was about uh yeah well there's um you know a burlington county times uh, writer who she follows all of the warehouse development. So she has all the stats on, on how many warehouses, how many square feet have been paved over for warehousing. And she found out that Mansfield was trying to push through multiple warehouses before the end of the year. Um, and she just reached out to us to find out, you know, what was going on from our perspective. And she reached out to the town council to find out what they were doing. Um, and really, at the end of the day, it came down to we were trying to get them to slow down and to allow there's new stormwater regulations coming out in um, March of 2021, which will force developers to include green infrastructure mm-hmm. for this okay. whole state of New Jersey. And that is because of New Jersey, you know, being a peninsula, having so much water on, on all sides and throughout the state, there's wetlands everywhere. Um, the whole fact that New Jersey is experiencing climate change at a faster rate than every other state, um, we are going to start seeing these issues much quicker than we realized we would. So these stormwater rules have been, they've been working on them for, it feels like a, a decade at this point, but um, with the New Jersey Council watersheds, we've been following this very closely. And I've attended these meetings and tried very hard to push the town council to Put a put a put a break on and and wait wait it out. Don't approve the plans until the stormwater regulations are are in effect and you guys have ordinances to support them. And they flat out said to us, "Why would we want to cost the developers any more money? We need to push these through as fast as possible." And, so, yeah, I, I mean that's completely different schools of thought. 
you know, I they, these rules are being put in place or these laws being put in place to help us. You know, you mm-hmm. would think yeah. you would want to, and, and not just us. It's yeah. in place to help us, everything like all the organisms in our community and everyone downstream. And, yes, it's, and so, our future yeah. generations. Yeah. It's you know because it's New York City, it's Philadelphia. You know, we will have an effect on mm-hmm. on neighboring cities it's, and. It's, a, it's all cumulative, and they're not paying attention to the cumulative nature of what each individual little project is going to do. You, you know, and, and so much work has been done to improve the Delaware River. I, growing up on the other side of the river, growing up, you know, we weren't allowed to go in, you know. <laughs> it was like, do not go in that water. You know, you yeah. we're not fishing in there. Do not, you know, you don't jump in. You know, we're yep. not. You know, so it's they've done a lot of work to improve it, but there's a lot of things going on that are going to degrade it as well it's it's an uphill battle um which which is hard to see which is hard to see so it's you know it's it's nice to know that there's at least people looking out and trying to educate for those that that aren't aware of what the problems are or what the problem might be because our area not just our town this area of new jersey has really become little amazon yeah in in the last five (laughs) years it's the amount of the amount and it's not just amazon it's as other companies mm-hmm. as well but it's becoming you know because of of 295 and the turnpike and the turnpike right and the river line mm-hmm. uh which runs from trenton to camden and uh man there there there's so many roadways that it's becoming a very very lucrative spot for for these types of things so it's you you, you figured one day it was going to affect us um directly mm-hmm. and i guess we're at that day i guess it's it's how we respond to that at this point correct and you i appreci- i appreciate the work that you're doing to to mm-hmm. make that known because i'm sure it could very quietly just happen without <laughs> without much yeah. resistance until mm-hmm. until it, yeah. you know you don't find out until it's over yeah definitely that's actually one of the points that the the state made in its um programmatic uh tax abatement report is that there's too much of this is done behind the scenes. Once they zone it a certain way, once they zone it for redevelopment, a lot of it is done in executive session without the public's knowledge. And that's one of the biggest problems is that people don't need to be notified once they zone it this mm-hmm. way. So, gotcha. yeah. And that's one of the, the, another compliment I'll give to you guys is you've been very active in trying to make people aware of what's going on here. And uh, and even even myself, I was I don't want to say I wasn't aware, but I didn't care too too much until I started. I went and, and listened to well now yeah you got to listen to all the the township meetings. I listened to the first one. I'm like oh wow this is a lot bigger than I I anticipated because I and even um, one of our councilmen in the meeting said something that I don't necessarily disagree with. And you brought up earlier that uh, if, if someone wants to do this on their their property why should they not be allowed to and uh, right. i agree with that to a point where they should yeah you should be able if someone was telling me hey you want to build a, a chicken coop or you want to build a warehouse or you want to do whatever and or i i want to do those things and they said no you can't i'd be like why can't i it's i own it why can't i do it exactly. but you gotta weigh in there's definitely a threshold of the damage and the ne- negative effects you can have and you actually have to measure that you can't just say we're gonna we're gonna ignore them. No, and it's you know one of the biggest jokes always is a farmer makes all of their money <laughs> when they sell their yeah. land. 
you know, and there's some truth yep. to that. You know, it's funny because it's it's true. You know, they they struggle their lives and they get to a point that if they don't have family that wants to continue on with that tradition, mm-hmm. that's when they make their yeah, money. Why shouldn't they be able to cash out? But, yeah. You know, so it's it, it it's 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 a very difficult situation um, in in all matters. But it's it's nice to see that all sides are being represented. Mm-hmm. You know, personally, you know, I've I've kind of like tiptoed around this. Personally, I would like to see the development not happen or have the laws put in place i would like to preserve there's very few places that are still untouched like this yeah and i think that for the people that i mean the over half of my co-workers grew up here went to the local school and still live here uh and you could say that for a lot of the families mm-hmm. they haven't left they chose to raise their families here and continue living here so um there's a lot of people that that chose that for a reason because they they have the fond memories and not much has changed in a long time here but that's that's happening mm-hmm. rapidly yeah. so i do want to ask uh, another question or two about i guess we talked about getting people involved with this what are the methods you're using to get people involved um i know them because i've that's how you got me involved. <laughs> but what, yeah, what are some of the methods you're you're taking to let people know what's going on and might be happening behind the scenes without their knowledge, and uh, and getting them to voice or raise their voice as well? We are doing a lot of community outreach. One of the things um, we're doing is you know social networking. We do have that that group Facebook page. Um, that has really just taken off. I mean, just since these issues ar- arose, I think we've added two or three hundred people. Wow. It, it was only it was only a group of two or three hundred people. Now we're up over seven hundred um, mm-hmm. uh, community members from Mansfield Township in that Mansfield discussion group. Um, wow. We also started a Friends of Crystal Lake um, citizens group. So that's run by. Um, the, the Pintos, which are, you know, local people that have retired from the DEP. They both spent 30 years or, or more um, working for the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. Um, and uh, Frank and Debbie are just, they are a, a powerhouse couple. They have so much knowledge and so many contacts. And um, basically reaching out to different community members and just having conversations finding out who they know, what they do, what kind of knowledge base they have, getting them informed and caught up. And I mean, I'd say I get, I I get anywhere from three to 15 phone calls from people a day on these situations going on in Mansfield, on these environmental issues, on these redevelopments and this environmental commission being, being repealed. And um, people want to know what's going on. They want to be involved and they want to help. And just using the power of, social networking and and start forming this this organization who reaches out to people and and we basically have kind of team leads in all the little smaller communities in Mapleton and Country Walk and you know Linwood Farms and then the town of Columbus and Heading and and people reach out to their neighbors and all of a sudden you know they they give your phone number out and somebody new is calling me saying hey I know this person over here do you think that would help and it's really a total grassroots movement and it has just completely blossomed in the past couple of weeks because people really didn't know this was happening. Um, and people I, I never really expected to be like kind of leading this, this coalition of, of citizens, but um, 
it's a beautiful thing to see people want to get involved and want to save their township and, and save the pristine environment that they live in. I mean, people love Crystal Lake Park, and it's and we've talked about this on a prior podcast. It's actually county uh, one of the in the county park system, mm-hmm. and they yeah. they took that over because they wanted to see it left the way it was. And it's one of the few parks that anywhere that I know that when you pull in one of the first thing you see is a series of hitching posts. Uh, for your horses <laughs> you know that that just tells you a little bit about the community that's there's there's at least like 10 hitching posts to uh to park your horse so it's not too many places locally or or even any other that i can think of that that exists mm-hmm. so it's it's nice to see people getting passionate about wanting to keep that yeah, and I, if anything, the the silver lining from this whole COVID nineteen situation is people understand the absolute need for open recreational spaces outdoors. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I, that's that's how I spend almost every weekend. You know, and it makes you appreciate that it's there, and you hope it never goes away. Yeah. An- another thing, and you may take this question and just say, "Oh, that's not actually happening," but um. Another thing I wanted to ask is how do you stop people from from hijacking the message you guys are putting out? Um, I know just when I was more of an observer and less of a, not really getting involved as much, I looked at some of the stuff that was going on, and we talked about Crystal Lake Park, and that was zoned to, to be developed into, um, I think, what's it, retail space and then uh, some low-income housing. And one of the things that thought to my mind was as I saw some of the people chime in on Facebook and bash what was going on there, I was like, they don't care about the environment. Don't That person, to me, doesn't seem like someone who would care about the environment. They just don't want low-income housing or any development to happen there. Is that actually happening? Or And when does if that does happen, how do you get those people from latching on to what you guys are doing and, and maybe steer them in their own direction? So, yeah, absolutely. People are going to grab at any platform to get the results that they want at the end of the day. And to some extent, I mean, you know, it's good that they're they're grabbing the environmental message, but I feel like it's it's pretty detrimental to the low and moderate income families. Um and people who do really need affordable housing, Crafts Creek organization definitely supports affordable housing. We just support it in responsible areas. Um, I know a lot of the people keep bringing up the affordable housing, the affordable housing, they don't want it in their areas. But at the end of the day, that development is a very, very small percentage of affordable housing. And the rest of it is all standard um, standard rate uh, apartment complexes and some shopping. Um, it's going to be more damaging just having that, that type of development right next to a passive wilderness park. Um, I, I do, I, I, it does break my heart to hear people saying things like that. And I, I don't, I don't like the fact that the township is, keeps putting all of its affordable housing on the outskirts of town, far away from the center of town where affordable housing really should be. Yeah. But it's built into the center of the town, at the heart of the town, so that those people can actually be included. Um, but the way 
the state defines the term inclusivity is you have to build affordable housing with standard rate housing, which is to me is, is just disgusting. Inclusivity should mean you bring people of lower means into your community. You don't build them on the outskirts of your community because what that's doing is actually creating more animosity with people who have, who have, you know, put their, sunk their retirement into living in an area that was, previously um all zoned for you know light commercial or light industrial or had woodland management plans as part of of um you know like that that contiguous acreage where they want to build this shopping complex and and these 600 apartments that was actually under a woodland management plan and um it was the the developer has had it under a woodland management plan for 30 years because of how how old the trees are and how how diverse that the the flora and fauna in that area is so you know those people sunk all their retirements into these these houses to be near that park and now they're gonna suddenly rezone everything and build it up and and now these people have nothing nowhere to go except in front of a huge apartment complex that the township's master plan didn't call for you know so it, it's it's funny just even saying that they're building it on the outskirts of town. It sounds like the making of a John Hughes movie. Like, oh, they're from the other side of the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, and that's what it that basically. It it's I I know that's saying it in a joking manner, but it, it, that's what mm-hmm. it's doing basically. Exactly, exactly. There, it, it's a predatory development style. Um, the the developer is going to not going to make money off the affordable housing, but they're going to sue the township because the township did away with its master plan that actually had affordable housing built into the center of town. They just got rid of it and never bothered to set up a new plan, which which they're obligated to do. Mansfield is obligated to set up affordable housing, um, and they just decided not to. Which this has happened before. So you know, all that money that was that thrown away on on legal fees. Again, it was just they, they're trying to take the easy way out. They're not doing the work. They're just letting the professionals just do things at their leisure. And um, I think that's why people are upset is they're just taking the easy way out and they're not doing the job they've been elected to do. So what is the next step? What what can be done if for, for people that are hearing this and want to get involved? What is what is the next step? What can everyone do to to, to help change this? Right now, I think what we're trying to do is save the Environmental Commission. If we can save the Environmental Commission and get them working towards a sustainable New Jersey certificate, we can apply for a lot of grant money. We can apply for programs to preserve green open space. Um, once we do that, then we need, I think it's, it's time to get some of these people that are sitting, that some of these local career politicians that have been sitting on the board for a long time that just aren't they're not doing their job anymore. Um, and then some of these new people who, you know, who come from areas that that are completely developed and, and they don't see a problem with it. So, you know, if that's not the goal the residents want, it's time to get them out of office. And unfortunately, um, the two people who just won the primaries are com- running completely unopposed. So it sounds like they may be, be it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So what's... What what's the time frame? We're we're actually going to publish this uh, episode tomorrow, uh, which is the thirty first. Yes, Friday the, the Friday 31st. the thirty first. Um, 
for anyone locally that's listening to this, what's is, is there a meeting that they can attend to be heard? Is is it past that? Is there is is there another August, step? August nineteenth is the final vote for repealing the ordinance that holds the environmental commission. Right. So on August nineteenth at seven p.m., um, you're going to want to call in to that meeting. People get two minutes to speak their mind. Um, before that, if, you, if, if you, what you want to say is going to take longer than two minutes, we strongly urge you to write a letter to the township and definitely CC your legislators. Um, Assemblyman Conway is very invested in helping preserve uh, Crystal Lake Park and everything that feeds into Crystal Lake Park. Senator um, Singleton is very involved environmentally. Um, I think he's District 7 along the riverfront. Mm-hmm. So we definitely want to include him and the other S- District 7 and 8 legislators as well. And also the county freeholders. Let the county freeholders know that that you definitely want to preserve open space and, and you don't want to see your tax investments into Crystal Lake Park and into the King Core Trail, you know, destroyed by development. You know, we as as a... <laughs> As a restoration and an environmental native plant nursery, the work that we do is basically repairing the mistakes by men, and yeah. uh, over the course of time, you know, and and it it can be, you know, a hurricane or something like that. But mostly, what we do fixes problems created by humans, um, mm-hmm. and it just seems like a recipe for disaster to to get rid of the environmental commission because it's you know, it's. We we've seen it all before, <laughs> and and we've yeah. supplied plants to fix it. Um, you know, we would like to see it not go in that direction, especially since we're in its backyard. You know, one of the things that I brought up with, um, I believe this was, I'm not sure. I, I, no, I brought it up twice with the Tower Gate attorneys and with the um, the warehouse going in on Route 206 next to the um, the headwaters of Crystal Creek. Um, with both times, I asked the the developers who were the, the attorneys were presenting the, the developers' plans at the the um, not at the planning board but at the town council, and I was asking them to consider getting rid of all the landscaping they had and using for local business to provide all the landscaping plants because otherwise they were going to damage the park if they plant a bunch of invasive species in the landscaping there. You know, it's going to hurt our hmm. th- our town's investments, our county's investments, and um, they they kind of laughed at me and they said we'd have to redevelop, redesign the whole plan. Um, they were like, "No, too much work has already gone into this," and all I could think was, "You know what? Too much work has already gone into this land, and 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 too much of our money has already gone into that county park." But. I don't know. You know and, and, and Crystal Lake Park for as untouched as it is does have a, a you know, some issues with invasives. There is a patch, oh, yeah. you know, you, you you're up on uh one bluff overlooking the lake and, and there's a, a patch of burning bush and, and there's yeah. there's other invasives yeah. in there too. So it's already an uphill battle to preserve yeah. what's there. I was talking to um the the president of the watersheds thinking, you know what, we need to call the county because there's all sorts of Atlantis everywhere and you know, the spotted lantern flies coming in and all those fields are, are money for the county, the, the fields that are within the, the park there. Um, they rent them out to that farmer. And yeah. I don't want to see his crops go, go bad because that that's income for the county to help support that park. So, you know, we need to do something to get those 
trees of heaven down. Um, you know, with with Spotted Lanternfly, because the adult stage, we're really just coming up on that. Um, yeah. We're, you know, and, and it's been backburnered because of COVID-19 and, and – and and so many other factors that have been going on in our in our world. It's one thing that we really mm-hmm. haven't thought about, but that's going to become a very real thought in about another month. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, people are. Yeah, we need to get on that now, sooner rather than later. And that's, you know, those are things I've got to work those into to everything else that we're doing here. So. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's. What do you think, Tom? Let's end this on a on a really good question. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah. It's our. It's always our last question. You, you've mentioned that that you. You're a listener, so you know what this question is. What what is your what is your favorite native plant? Uh, definitely the dense blazing star, the Le- Leatris piccata. Is that how you say it? It is. It is that that is a really good choice. You know that one's really winning me over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I've always kind of you know it was never you know a top one for me, but the more I see it and the more I see what it attracts and what it does, yeah. man, yeah. it's it's. It's a good pick. It's the most popular plant in my yard. I've only got two of them, um, but I've, all the insects are all over it all the time, and I just I love it. It's just pretty. It's just a pretty flower. It's it, unique. It it is. It is. It's and it's 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 pretty. Uh, you you don't have to mess with it too much. It's it's yeah. It 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 grows very very well. It grows very mm-hmm. well, so it's a good grower. If you if you yeah. need a couple more, you can come see us, and we, we can we, <laughs> yeah. we we can we can hook you up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. We we appreciate it. that's you know it's I love that it was you know that's that what we talked about is a very heated topic for a lot of people. Um, yeah, and, it is. It's it, it, it. But I I really feel we kept it productive and really. Mm-hmm pointed out some really good things for people to think about and this I hope they easily consider. could have been three people just bashing bashing a decision that that other people were making but they aren't here to defend themselves and no, I, we, we want to make sure that we're keeping it uh yeah factual and and really on point it, it is something important that's happening in our community and and i'm sure it's not just our community it's a lot of yeah. communities oh, Oh, no, there's communities. I'm, I'm, I belong to a, a group of people and uh, in the state of New Jersey who are all fighting the same thing, and and we're working on hopefully, hopefully doing some sort of legislative action to alleviate these kinds of problems. So, and, and we'll this, see. This is great work being done that started around a kitchen table. So, for those mm-hmm. of you out there yep. that are are thinking how you can get involved, um that's a great way to get involved if you don't have an organization like this uh in your community and you're you're um and you're experiencing some of these issues uh kate you're actually a member of our facebook group correct absolutely yeah Yeah. so you know make sure you shoot uh you know if you have questions shoot them to kate in the group and and we can yeah Yeah. think about starting your own organization if there isn't one or if it's something and you don't think it's going in the right direction start your own yeah, and it's just yeah. it's a a cup of coffee or a, a beer or a glass of wine and a couple friends hit me up on Zoom Anybody right now. There, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but anyone wants to start a, their own watershed organization or wants to start a grassroots campaign to, you know, to to try to fight some sort of battle you have going on, I am always open to have a discussion with someone and put you in touch with people that can help you. That's, so, really, that is awesome. I love how many of our past guests are members of that 
that yeah. group. Oh yeah. Uh, Kate, John Park, John joined. Uh, uh, Kelly Gill. Uh, there was there's uh, Marcus Gray. So mm-hmm. many so many yeah. members. So mm-hmm. you have a great group of resources. Uh, if you have questions, please take advantage. They joined this group willingly. We didn't ask them to. They mm-hmm. did it on their own. So if you have questions, please, they, they want to help you. Oh, I'm I'm one of your number one fans. I always <laughs> guys telling everyone about you guys. I, I, I love Pinelands Nursery. I love your podcast. I, you're fantastic. You do amazing work. Well, thank you. I'm not going to take any credit for that. I'll give that to you. <laughs> so, Kate, why don't you just wrap, sum everything up that you said today in like a final thought and uh... – something we can leave everyone with oh god really put me on the spot like that (laughs) the floor the floor is yours you can say anything you want oh okay um you know education is key and a love of nature starts in childhood we need to reach out to people reach out to people when they're young educate our youth and come together as a community and work on things that matter to us Tom, do you have a final thought? I'm going to let you go for it. Yeah. I, I don't know if I have a final thought. I, <laughs> Friend, you've I, been really slacking with I final really thoughts. Have, you like, know what? Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't. I got so engrossed, I didn't even really think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, these the conversation that we had today is, I'm sure, a conversation that many of you are having on your own at home, and it affects you, even if it's the town over or two towns over. It affects you. Uh, it's going to affect cities south of us, uh, 30 minutes south of us. Mm-hmm. It, it affects a lot of people, and these decisions shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, and we're going to have guests on in the future too that are even going to expand on this. We're actually going to have an episode that really goes in depth about our water, our, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not just locally, globally, yeah. um, and how mm-hmm. it affects us and what it means and, and what we're doing to our land and, and why now is the time to think about it and start to make a change. So we're very proud that we can have a platform to make those voices heard um, and a listening group that can make a change um, and, and, and do it. You know, think, have these conversations. They're not always easy conversations, but they need, to be, they need to be had. So think about it, talk about it, do something about it. There you go. How's that for? Was, you, uh, you saved yourself. You, <laughs> there's some redemption there. <laughs> All right, Tom. Th- thank you, Tom. It is your your turn. Um, final thought. I guess a, a couple weeks ago we asked you all to to call in to your uh, U.S. representatives about passing the Great American Outdoors Act, which did pass. Almost, I think it was like 300 to 100. Or some crazy, crazy numbers. Huge yeah. amounts of bipartisan support. That funding or that act um, grants funding for the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which is used in every county across the United States. Um, and that was really, I think it probably would have passed without everyone calling in. Um, but it really got a lot of people to call into their their federal representatives to to voice their opinion on something. And it's important to as we just mentioned, to join these local groups as well. It, things are happening on a, a federal level, but they're also happening on a state level or a or county level or, or local level. Yeah. And um, you got to pay attention and, and make your voice heard when you think something is happening that you don't necessarily like. And um, and I guess I, I, I wrote a letter, and I'm going to read a little passage of that to, to awesome. I would kind of close this out. So. Um, today, there are approximately eight, 
850, excuse me, I already screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even get to the closing yet. yet. I know. You're, you're going to have to nail the yeah. closing now. I'm going to have to. I'm, I'm going to start keeping hash hash marks. So, Remember how we were keeping hash marks every time I bumped the mic? <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. it's going to be, uh, it's my so, revenge. Today there are approximately 8,500 residents in our town, a 250% increase from when I was born, uh, which was 31 years ago for everyone who doesn't know how old I am at home. Um, and many of them probably don't know how quickly our world is changing. Additionally, our township has millions of, millions of silent residents, trees, wildflowers, deer, squirrels, and pollinators. Who speaks for them? The Mansfield Township Environmental Commission is a voice for our voiceless population. They see what is happening to our planet, ecosystems, and species being lost forever and speak up when they, things they love in our backyards, or for the things they love in our backyards. They help to support plans for progress while maintaining a sense of accountability to our natural environment. They may not be making a difference on a global scale, but they can make a difference here in our community. Ecologists and naturalists have been criticized for generations, resulting in their passion turning into anger when their ideas are rejected and their concerns are ignored. That's it. Wow. What? <laughs> You're supposed to clap a little before I said that's uh, it. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure that you were done. I, I thought it was a dramatic. Pause. I wasn't sure I was done either. I decided <laughs> not to read the last <laughs> sentence went in a different direction. Very well said, and and hopefully that doesn't fall on on deaf ears. Yeah. Hopefully that's 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 a great mm. sentiment, especially from someone who grew up here and has mm. seen the change firsthand. Yeah, um, yeah it's yeah. I, and Kate, I'm, you were the same way. You were born here, grew up here. Yeah. Um, yep. Your family goes back in this area for generations, um, yeah, and yep. there's been like a, a 250 percent increase. That was when I was born. It was 3,500 people in this town, and uh, over a very short amount of time, we saw mm-hmm. the population boom. And um, yeah. and it, it hurts when I see. We mentioned the Burlington County Times article before. It hurts when I see people saying that this town hasn't seen the development. Uh, because in my eyes it has and uh, obviously obviously there's always going to be potential for more but um, we need to make sure we're we're maintaining those thresholds of damage that can be done and and looking out for the environment and the trees and the the birds and the wildflowers they can't speak up so we need to make sure there's people there that are standing up for them and uh just protecting just for comparison's sake 30 years ago if it was 3,500 residents here Springfield Township was probably 2,300, mm-hmm. and I don't know what Mansfield is now. Do you, it, it was 8,500. 8,500. Yeah. I, I think Springfield Township is still less than 3,000, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. if yeah, if if someone thinks that it hasn't seen development, just compare those numbers. Yeah. The, the state as a whole, the population has increased about 15%. So we're way, way above the uh, – the uh, the rate of change as yes. compared to the state and even just the I've, I think the county is probably faster than the state but even compared to the county we're much further mm-hmm. ahead. Now before we close out, you mentioned Kate has grew up here and and generations. You do have the the, the Craft Creek Watershed Association has a scholarship fund. Did I read that correctly? On we do we do we have um, a scholarship fund. We just awarded our first scholarship this year to Megan Megan Hemminghouse who was a senior at Northern Burlington. Um, and we're looking for, we're trying to figure out how to do our fundraiser this year. Um, I'm not quite sure how we're going to do that with, with the, the whole, you know, COVID-19 thing. Um, so we're working on it. We usually do a moth night where um, mm-hmm. we put some lights out and people stay until midnight and have snacks and drink wine and, and identify moths. And we, you know, 
take some money from them. And um, <laughs> so I don't know what we're how we're going to do that this year. I'm not sure. It might we might end up trying to do it online and maybe have some kind of contest or something. Um, I don't know, but and, we'll, well we'll figure it out. Congratulations to Megan. We actually know we know Megan because her brother oh. her her brother. Uh, plays lacrosse with my oldest son yeah and, and, and i and coached him tom, tom yeah, coached him one point <laughs> so, so we're, we're we're familiar wow. with the yeah. family but the the scholarship okay. um was started in memory of your grandmother my grandmother dr marion talon yeah she was um she was a notable woman in burlington county she won like you know burlington county's woman of the year a few times she got her doctorate um you know at a time when women weren't getting doctorates and she didn't actually discover her environmental side until much later um, in life, and it was it was really beautiful to see her go from from strictly being uh, an education minded like child development type person to suddenly realizing that wow um, you know childhood development really blossoms when you bring in the natural world into things. And she really did push that whole environmental education aspect of Crafts Creek Watershed. So, you know, it, it is really important um, for us to to hold something in her name and, you know, to get all of her friends together to remember her and the things that she brought to not only Mansfield Township, but to Burlington County and the state of New Jersey and women in education. That, so, that, that is a great way to honor her memory. And it, it's, it just shows too for everyone else that there's no wrong time to get involved mm-hmm. regardless of what stage you are exactly. in your life it's it's never too late to make a difference and get involved mm-hmm. yeah so and uh and your grandmother played a, a big part in my life as well because she was very influential in the whole community and uh ran different 4-h clubs and and mm-hmm. was always making sure that she kind of guided us from when I was a little kid and guided us and a lot of my friends into down the right path and, and doing the right thing. So yeah, uh, we're really thankful to, to have her as a part of the community. <laughs> but but that about wraps it up. We want to thank you guys for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Crass Creek Spring Hill Brook Watershed Association with Kate, O'Call- or Kate Talon O'Callaghan. Woo! Woo. Got a little bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pylons Nursery. I'd like to give a big thank, uh, a big thank you or shout out. Wow, I realized last time I messed that up, but I completely just talked <laughs> through it. So I, I was like, I'm like, I'm not even going to admit I made a mistake. So I'd like to give a big shout out to Stephen Marr for contributing our theme music. You can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Pinelands Nursery, and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. And let's not forget the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. Remember, Kate is a member, so let's keep the conversation going there. You can listen to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast directly at www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. You can also check us out at pot, on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a five star review. We picked up one, but it was on Stitcher, right? Yeah, we'll take yeah. it. Well, that's I didn't know you could leave reviews on Stitcher, so leave them there too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where else are we? Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or just ask Alexa. You're using Alexa at home anyway, so why not just you're washing the dishes instead of putting on some music? Listen to our soothing tones. You can, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> we'll we'll lull you to sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and to do that, you just say. Hey, Alexa, play the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast. Let's try it. If you have this on at home, 
Maybe I'm turning on your Alexa right now. Yeah, it so. works. It <laughs> yeah. works. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Uh, Kate, thank you so much again for, for joining us today. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Thank you guys. Uh, Great. Anytime at all. Anytime. And thanks again, everyone. We'll see you all again next time. Until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.